environment. Welcome back to the Aaron environment. I am not Aaron, but she is. So we are uh, back to the Aaron environment, and I heard you wanted to start off with good news this time, since you were such a Debbie Downer last time. Hey, yeah. Like, you gotta talk about climate change, but also good things do happen. So uh, I want to talk about something that's really exciting that I, one of the places, the place that I work for, we are part of a coalition for. Uh, so over the last, oh, like two years, we've been battling to save this, um, important dune system called Cool Links. It's C-O-U-L-L, that's cool. And then links is spelled L-I-N-K-S, like links. Um, it's a dune system. It is regionally, nationally, and internationally protected site for ecological and reasons for species and stuff like that. And there was a project to build a golf course on this site and it shouldn't have gotten very far and actually it got approved by the council and then it went to the government and the government called it in last year, I think last November, no, no, November 2018. And in 2019, they had a public inquiry and in November of last year, the public inquiries report was handed to the government. And the government officially, I think in fe- at the end of February, said that they rejected the proposal, which means, yay, environmentally important dune system was saved, which is awesome, which is great. And we don't get a whole lot of wins, so we celebrate them. And it's just amazing that so we've had so much support for like saving this piece of land. And the people in Scotland are really, really happy and excited about it. And... I went out and bought myself a cake because I was so happy because I, like I said, the place I work for, I've been working on this for a couple of years. So it's been, it's been a, it's been a lot. So it's been great. And I'm really excited about it. So, so the takeaway is golf is evil. Everyone don't golf. No. Don't <laughs> golf and drive. Let's try to help out, get the real takeaways from all these things. Don't, don't golf and drive. That's right. Actually sure don't golf and that drive. Point. That is good advice though, for sure. Oh, anyway, so that is, that was our good, my good news for the day. We'll make a little jingle. It's good news, Aaron. Good news. <laughs> it's important to celebrate our wins because a lot of times you work and work and work in this industry and it feels very much like you're not getting anywhere. And honestly, days like that makes it all worth it. Like it's important to fight for what we've got because it is a long battle, but it definitely makes it worth what we're doing so it's very exciting i think a lot of people can relate to such situations in their job yes i agree i think they can uh <laughs> you you have more good news or just one good news in which case uh, it just that, be a good new not plural well news is just that's the word it's, what's the news what's the word is it though it's good yeah news, news is singular news no, don't google it well, I need to know. Because you would say, like, well, is he right? what's new <laughs> would be singular. 
or what's the news would be mm. i expect more than one new it's newly received or noteworthy information especially about recent events so fine if you want to be dictionarily correct yeah sorry <laughs> I, I was genuinely like but it doesn't say if it's singular or not it just gives you the definition it's a noun so you learned it here first people news is like deer singular news is like deer (laughs) so that's good news good story to hear uh so let's move on to our main topic unless you have something interesting to talk about Jamin. no i was just waiting for the bad news there's no bad news today there's no bad news today just good news only good news it's just we have to be aware of what's going on so this was good news today hooray Okay, Yay! take us into the neutral news or whatever you're doing from there. <laughs> the neutral news. The uh, well, news today let's troll. talk about... <clears throat> Sorry. You're a nerd. be thinking Jamin or listeners is why why should you care about environmental stewardship and why should you be an environmental steward and let's talk about that let's do it let's do it so I'm gonna focus on one section of the Bible today and that's Job Jamin and I have had this conversation a couple of times so I'll just kind of have an idea of where it's going I hope we'll find out where you at, mm-hmm. Job? Anywhere I'm in Job uh, 12. I don't know why it's at Job 6 in my Bible, but my notes say Job 12. Got it. Uh, <laughs> it's like, man, weird. Uh, yeah, Job 12. Where Job is a really great book, especially when you're going through times of trial. But also, there's a lot of natural imagery in this book. Specifically, one part Job is referring refers to in, in 12, but chapters 38, 39, 40, and 41 are filled with natural imagery from the voice of God. And that is something that I really want to talk about. We could probably spend months and months and months just talking about this Job, this part in Job, because it's just so full of God being like, this is the planet. This is what I've created. Be in awe of it forever. But what I want to look at right now is Job... 6 through 12. And this is when he's arguing with his friends who keep telling him to turn away from God. And he says, The tents of the marauders are undisturbed, and those who provoke God are secure, and those who carry their God in their hands. But you ask the animals, and they will teach you, or the birds of the air, and they will tell you, or speak to the earth, and it will teach you, or let the fish of the sea inform you, which all of these does not know the hand of the Lord has done this. In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. Does not the ear test words as the tongue tastes food? Does not the wisdom, is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? 
he basically just talks about things in nature and how like they relate to God. Like they don't provoke him. They are secure in what they're doing. And he starts with like big things like animals, birds of the air, the earth, the fish, but then he goes down to like bits of mankind, like stuff that you can tactily feel like you're, your how you hear, how you eat, the wisdom, long life, stuff like that. Do you have any thoughts on that, Jamin? I was just waiting for the part about the ostriches. That's uh <laughs> that's in I think chapter forty. Oh, okay. Yeah, Job Yeah, that's when God's speaking, he's talking. This is Job making a direct reference to nature, just being like, All of these animals, all of these things know that God has his hand in it. So we have to know. We're more intelligent than the animals and the birds, but they still know that God has his hand in what they're doing. Hmm. And they trust better, too. You know, when you get to Jesus, who's like, look, the birds don't care about what's going to happen tomorrow. They're not worried about what they're going to wear, if they're going to have food. God just provides it. So you see much of the Bible just looking at nature and being like, look what we find in creation and how it's mirroring certain qualities of God. Yeah, like we definitely want to anthropomorphize parts of nature, but inherently we are the ones who have those thoughts. Like mm-hmm. a like you like an ostrich, for instance, doesn't ask where its next meal's coming from. It just kinda like instinctively looks for it and trusts that it will find one. That I I always thought it was weird when I read Job the first time, I was like, there's ostriches in the Bible. It's <laughs> just a lot of interesting animals mentioned throughout Job. Yeah, it's definitely from all corners of the earth, those things that you wouldn't think about. Mm. Leviathan and behemoth. and Yeah, big things. Yeah. What is this? My Bible says the Leviathan is a gator, and I'm like, um, excuse me, it's got to be bigger than an alligator. Your, your husband helped me write a book on Leviathan. Did he? Yeah, he translated all the Japanese titles. And by translated i mean he and two others and he hardly did anything but since he knew the most japanese <laughs> he was the one that we were always like shot to prove that we're right <laughs> oh no looks good enough <laughs> okay i'll just be judged by that. the japanese when i release it <laughs> oh yeah he was always like i remember that part because he'd be like i feel like this is technically correct but i can't think of a better way to say it and i'm like well maybe if it's right then it's right But yeah, uh, Job, back to Job. This is a part where a human being is directly relating nature back to his religion. And that is what I'm proposing to you because it's something that I learned in my undergrad from, um, I've told you this before, one of my favorite professors, Dr. Chris Newhouse. He basically directed a bunch of us to this part in the Bible and said, I am an environmentalist because it's my religion and job i believe would agree that it is his religion to look at god and everything that he's made and not like question anything well question anything is probably not the best way to say that but you know what i mean yeah job has an interesting way of writing in general it's a very different book from the rest of the bible 
a lot of scholars think it's because he's probably not an Israelite, just based on some of the things he says. This almost seems like wisdom literature from uh, someone who follows Yahweh outside of the Israel clan. So when you see him writing in the way that he does and referencing things that you don't find in a lot of other places, like even constellations and whatnot, Mm -hmm. he talks about Orion and... Pleiades, Pleiades, I never remember how to say that. Uh, but like he's he's mentioning God and nature in places where a lot of um, biblical authors wouldn't, and that's partially because uh, biblical authors, uh, well, ancient people thought that the stars were gods. So for the Israel-minded person, they would mm-hmm. uh, talk about the sun being the greater light and the moon being the lesser light. They wouldn't even mention the name sun or moon because people would correlate that with like gods. So they would. Oh, that's interesting. They would try to kind of use different language. But what's interesting with Job is God just lets Job express himself in his own culture, his own language. And you see Job, possibly this outside Israelite, being like, you know, you see Orion, you see these. Uh, you're the one who stretched out the heavens. Even Leviathan, that's a. Mesopotamian <laughs> religion. So he just takes his own culture and world into into his belief in God and submits it all before him. So that's that's, that's really that's really interesting. My mic just cut out. No, it just got super loud is all. <laughs> oh sorry. Uh no, that's that's really, really cool. Cause it's just one of those things where you think as a Christian everything has to be so steeped in our own jargon. And that's cool because it means someone from outside, like our world, has ways of relating to it that are sometimes just as deep as what we're talking about and can be even more so because they have different ways to relate to it. Yeah, it becomes cool what they do with it. So, you know, like another religion, Leviathan is a being to be worshipped. But when Job brings it up, Job's not like, Leviathan's not real. Instead, the way he, he submits it for God and God's like, Leviathan, that thing you're all afraid of, he's on my leash like a puppy dog, you know? So he just, like, (laughs) he converts uh, his beliefs into something new when it's submitted before God, which that happens all over the Bible where God snubs other deities by asserting himself over it all the time. listen carefully to my words and I just imagine somebody like look here buddy you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah that's just a small part of it and the rest of it is actually spoken by God uh, I just wanted to look at the 
juxtaposition of a man trying to relate nature back to his faith and then God basically he basically gives like I imagine if my parents gave me a 20 minute lecture on like something that I did wrong and they need to use every single analogy they could possibly think of for in order for me to understand it 20 chapter lecture <laughs> some days you know when you're like 15 and you break something and your parents are like why did you duct tape your sister to the wall something like that <laughs> Uh, well, sure. I certainly <laughs> had interesting conversations. Not remembering that one exactly. <laughs> he starts off uh, basically berating Job directly, but then he moves into talking about uh, stars and the sea. So he says, "Who shot on thirty-eight eight? Who shut up the sea behind doors and then burst forth from the womb? I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, which." In nine is really great because clouds are basically just water droplets in air. And that is a direct like correlation to that. Like I made the clouds this garment. You did because that's water is the cloud. That's all it is. And then he wrapped it in thick darkness. And I think that's talking about like thunder. And when I fixed limits for it, I set its doors and bars in place. And I said, you may come this far and no farther. And this is where your proud waves halt. Like he's just constantly talking about nature and things related directly to us what uh chapter is that 38 yeah we're jumping right to god speaks so he basically talks for the last half last last four chapters and in the first episode when i was talking about romans uh 120 where i'm like this really represents me as a person and like why i continue to seek science where i am and i feel like this this bulk of scripture really focuses and I know that sounds really weird because I have this one thing that I'm like oh this is very broad and then I have four whole chapters that I think really focus my attention on what I want to pursue in my life because uh, he just outlines so many things about what he's created and nature and things that I am in awe of as a person and it's God being like you're right to be in awe of this for chapters and chapters and chapters like it's really good not to hijack again but were, no, did you do, you had verse seven right uh yeah i mentioned verse seven yeah when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of god shouted for joy yeah so that goes back to the kind of what i was uh mentioning about stars being perceived as gods in ancient culture you mm -hmm. see those poetic lines go together uh the morning stars are the sons of god and God saying, like, when I created the earth, they were there shouting for joy, celebrating what I was creating. So that's just another example of, of where that comes in. That's yeah. the, in my opinion, when God says, let us make man in our image, you see right here that there were already spiritual beings he had created. And I think mm -hmm. the implication is God's like saying, just as I created spiritual beings in my image, now we're going to create physical beings in my image. Of course, they don't help create. But because then it says God went and created them. Uh, Michael Heiser says it's the same as someone saying, like, let's go get pizza. But then God's the one who orders the pizza. It was his plan, his idea. He paid for it. It's all his. Oh, very cool. So it's another random thought there. <laughs> all thoughts are blessed. <laughs> that, that can't well be. that one that one anyway i don't know why i said that that was very not on brand for me i'm sorry everybody uh, 
so yeah chapter uh 38 is very much just talking about nature as a whole where he he refers to mountains and thunderstorms and hail and it's, it's a lot of weather actually lightning and then he talks about stars where he talks about can you loose the cords on orion can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs now he's starting to talk about the land and how he's influenced it do you know the laws of the heaven can you set up god's dominion over the earth like god has dominion over the earth but last week we talked about how he put us in care of that dominion that he has but he really really starts so he started in was it 30 32 kind of talking about the earth but he really digs into it on verse 39 where he talks specifically about the lions do you hunt the prey for the lionesses and satisfy the hunger of the lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in a thicket? So that, when we were talking before, is like they have faith that like whatever will happen, they will find it because it's almost like a blind faith because they're animals and they just have instincts. But God says, I hunt the prey for the lionesses. I find that and I satisfy their hunger. And when they crouch in their dens and lie and wait for a thicket, that's me helping them. Yeah. He's, he imbues these aspects on nature being like, this is what I'm doing. I'm helping. I'm, I'm in every single piece of it. Like, why would you ignore something like that? And we can't because it's our religion. Our religion is part of this. If God spends four chapters outlining it like we have to accept it like this is our life and this is him just starting to talk about things <laughs> like he goes on and on yeah yeah and a lot but, of times i think one of the ways that always stands out to me is i'm always thinking i'm the one kind of providing for myself and yet the image from god's side here is like no i'm the one taking care of all this and making the world go around and making sure that you're taken care of, which I think was the same thing for Jesus. He's like, God cares about grass. It's about to get mowed down. How much more do you think he cares about you? You know, it's like he's still watering it, still taking care of it. So, yeah, I agree. Well, still you taking have care to. Of the land. Jesus said it. So I have to, Jesus said it. I do agree with Jesus. It's good. That's our new tagline. <laughs> loving the earth you. to death and agreeing with Jesus. I feel like we come up with a new tagline every time. <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do, man. That's every episode tagline. has a new tagline. <laughs> well, and even here, God just talks about, and now we're going into verse into 39, verse 39, chapter 39, and he talks about areas that we don't see as useful. Like when he talks about the wild donkey, he says, I gave him the wasteland as his home and the salt flats as his habitat. So a piece of dirt that we feel is useless, he gives a home to a creature that is under his care, which is also under our care. So just because something is in this world and just because I can't find a use for it, because this is a wasteland, there's nothing that I can glean from this. It doesn't mean that it's not useful to something on this planet. Like, God gave the wild donkey a place. And it's a piece of dirt that we don't care about, but it's good for him. And it's for his habitat. It's his home. Now we get to the ostrich, which Jamin was pretty pumped about. Ostriches! Verse 13. 
honestly, I would encourage anybody to read these four chapters in their entirety because I'm just glazing over bits of it. Uh, verse 13, he talks about the wings of the ostrich flap joyfully, but they cannot compare with the pinions and feathers of the stork. She lays her eggs on the ground and lets them warm in the sand, unmindful that a foot may crush them and some wild animal may trample them. She treats her young harshly as if they were not hers, and she cares that she cares not that her labor was in vain for God did not endow her with wisdom or give her a share of good sense. Yet when she spreads her feathers to run, she laughs at the horse and rider. This is like, if you know anything about ostriches, that's basically what happens. They're a flightless bird. They're massive. They're heavy. They still, still flap their wings, but he makes a direct allusion to like storks who are beautiful creatures with big long wings and can fly and they're just angelic almost gorgeous and she can't do that she lays her eggs on the ground she stomps them but she she doesn't care that like her labor is in vain because like god didn't give her wisdom but she still has a great time like running because she's so fast ostriches are so fast like uh, creatures can find joy in something that God has endowed them with, and even if it's something simple. And that's awesome. I agree. <laughs> with Jesus we, and with, with Jesus. you. It's, yeah, I just, like, it's just a, it's a huge chunk in here. It's like five verses, and it's him talking specifically about the life cycle of a specific animal that is true. Like, you, we know these things. We know these things today. And God is taking the time being like, this is an animal. I created it. And yet this animal that has no wisdom still finds joy in something. You can still find joy in this. And it's my it's my religion. Like I have to like I find joy in the things God has created and the things that I'm supposed to take care of. I mean, I just, I just love this. I just love this part of the Bible. It's just so great. Job is one of my favorite books. Um, I can see why that would be for an environmentalist. I mean, because it's like, not only is it like really, it strikes you at a chord, but it's a really, it's accurate. Like in some places scientifically, when you really think about it and you're just like, this is so cool. Well, this that's is the Bible. where I was going to. <laughs> I was going to yeah. get there eventually. You just took <clears throat> us there. <clears throat> I am sending you an image. Oh, I'm getting an image. An image. Oh, this is wonderful. This is a really great. Where did you get this image from? The NIV Faith Life is Praise Study Bible. Well, Faith Life is a company that gives me my Bible software. Lagos Bible Software, which is like the greatest software of my life. I always have it open. Uh but so like the ancient conception of the universe, and this is generally what Job's working with, as you can kind of see there, like when we think of ancient life, we're just like, oh, yeah, they believe the earth was flat. But it was a lot more complicated than that. Um, for them, there's this firmament or some translations use other words to describe it. But basically, it was like a dome of water that kind of went over the earth Um starts on one side of the earth and then goes all the way to the other side and the sun and moon and stars kind of like hover along that line 
mm-hmm. then kind of like descend basically into the earth because you know they're thinking it's flat um mountains are more or less they're called pillars in the bible because the idea with mountains is like they're tall enough to hold up the heavens hold up the oh, firmament yeah and then god uh like the heaven of heavens where god is is above that firmament actually think in revelation the sea of glass that's a reference to the firmament god is above the sea in the sky mm-hmm. um but yeah their idea was more or less like we live in a snow globe the earth is flat it's not a globe and then above us is kind of like this other ocean of sorts that starts on one side of the earth goes into the sky comes down on the other side of the earth and within that ocean there's these the bible talks about floodgates being opened and the idea mm-hmm. is there's like water already up there and god just opens the windows sometimes and rain falls through i think okay. even i think even dew i might be wrong on this i think dew was considered to be like something that was let off by the stars and would fall to the earth so like everything i just said we know is scientifically entirely Super wrong. wrong right right yeah, so like, like uh ancient science <laughs> is wild yeah wow. i'm actually i'm writing a a romance novel right now only oh, because Lord. only because i wanted to try to help people understand the way that the ancient people thought the world was and so i was trying to make a i was like how do i write this without being boring and then i realized love would make it less boring but like everything that we just looked at is wrong this is probably the concept that job is generally working with you know right yet like we still find so much value in this book we still can ask the same kind of questions he's asking. Like, even if we have more comprehension about who, where, where is God storing all the snow before he throws it down? It's like, well, Joe, that's not really how it works. We understand it better, but it's no less like a miracle to us or a mystery as to how well it works and how God set it up and provided in these ways. And so I just think it's a good overlap example of like, they believe one thing, we believe another, but there's still takeaways regardless of um, whether you're right or wrong about how nature actually works. Right. So, anyways, there's my whole. No, right. that's yeah. like, I'll tweet this out on our Twitter account because this is a crazy interesting picture of how like everything in the Bible is dependent on context. And this is very interesting and important. Like we need to understand the world they lived in so we can apply it to what's happening now. Like you don't study history. You don't just study a battle. You usually study a, like what led up to the war. How did we get this far? When, why did this battle occur here? We don't just go, Oh, it happened. And this many people died. Like we have to look at everything that's surrounding it. And context is so important. And it's insane that this is something that like he was building off of, but God still, like when I said in 38, what was it nine where he talks about like i took water and wrapped it in clouds i'm like yeah because a cloud is just water vapor like <laughs> god is still making like saying things that are accurate even though job is working off this understanding of how the universe works it's yeah. crazy and sometimes you come across other nuggets where you wonder if god was intentional in that way such as you know evolution god didn't just like speak us he took dirt and then 
crafted us out of it. It was almost this idea of like something becoming more of something, you know. Oh, you just yeah. wonder oh, we can do we like can do a whole a episode <laughs> on uh, idea uh, like Christian ideals and scientific ideals about how the how creation was because I have so many thoughts on that. So <laughs> perfect. <laughs> like we will definitely do one of those for sure. about leviathan for a second so chapter 41 is pretty much all about the leviathan now my bible says it's possibly a crocodile um sure (laughs) but i like to think i like to let my imagination run wild but it probably is something that i've heard of before and like a maybe a crocodile or like some large whale some deep sea creature that like you can take but we're not we're not talking about that concept <laughs> like right now we're not talking about what we think a leviathan could be i don't know why i went but i that. wrote a whole book on it <laughs> yes jamin did write a whole book on it <laughs> do you want to talk about Something that in a I different could actually episode? talk about <laughs> okay, go for it like tell us, well, well let's talk about the leviathan what could you possibly think about what could it could be i think it goes back to what you were saying you need context an ancient thinking you don't just start with the war you need everything leading up to it right go for it if you look at that leviathan was a more or less a chaos creature is what it would be called uh lighten and ugarit uh like like a kaiju from that movie pacific rim uh that would be what we in our context would consider it but uh in uh Ugaritic culture, it was uh, Lighten is what it was known as, and it was uh, more or less like a dragon god, dragon beast type thing, um, which, you know, again, he's, I think he's not an Israelite, so he's taking his own concept of what he thinks, uh, but rather than like worship this thing or anything like that he subjects it before god and what god ends up saying is like yeah that thing that's nothing i got it on a leash it's my pet like uh god just basically demeaning the gods of other other religions anyways most a lot of modern scholars like to say crocodile like you said i Mm -hmm. think as someone who likes to write poetry or lyrics i Mm. think looking at this passage is way too much over embellishment to be about a crocodile. Uh, it's the same thing with behemoth. Like people think that's a hippo and like it talks about behemoth having a tail like cedar, which for them is like the redwoods of their day. So when you think of a hippo with a tail, like a redwood, you're just like, uh, -uh, that 
that is like the most humorous over embellishment I've ever heard in my life. So what the Jews later did with it was basically like, since the water already represented chaos, you had one uh, water dragon that was mm-hmm. uh, representative of all the chaos in the water. But then Behemoth was one uh, land uh, beast of sorts that represented all the chaos on the land. And what Revelation does with it is there's one beast that comes out of the water and one beast that comes out of the land. And they both okay. represent Satan's chaos all over the world. So oh, really if you look at what the whole Bible paints... Yeah, because even think of what the first beast has. It has seven heads in Revelation, which is what Leviathan has if you read uh, Isaiah. So, anyways, there's even, it's even referred to as, I believe, a nashash, which in Hebrew is serpent. So, you see Isaiah connecting links between the serpent of Eden to, uh, to Leviathan and Satan himself. And Revelation just taking that and taking it the final distance. Interesting. <clears throat> okay, now I'm done. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> no, that's like, well, that completely changes like how I think of these um, two chapters, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like when I when I was thinking of them, like, like when I thought of the Leviathan as like an actual creature on Earth, to me, it was like you can't pull in it with a fish hook. Or tie its tongue down with rope because it's outside of your power to tame these creatures. You can care for them, but you can't make them your slave of your life. Only something that I can do because I created them and I understand them and they're in my dominion. We're just here as caretakers of the planet. Mm. But um, now you said all that stuff about it being like chaos creatures. And now I'm like, well, this this is really weird and cool. Like, now I have to reread them with a new perspective. Yeah, the ocean was pure chaos to ancient-minded people, at least if you were Hebrew, because what was already there when God showed up? There was already ocean. The whole world was just ocean in the creation story. Right. The, the biggest deal, I think, in the creation story is God saying, here's the chaos, now look what I create, that's my order live within my order and so those seven days are stories of like who reigns over the animals humanity look at the order i set up where should you live in my presence not with satan where should you get your wisdom from me not from this tree things like that so uh and further just to further the reason that i think this is a reference to a spiritual being other than i think it just makes so much sense with everything he's saying Right. Verse 25, it says, when Leviathan raises himself up, the mighty are afraid. I don't know if you have a footnote next to mighty. Uh, but it's, If you did, another way to translate that word mighty, which is uh, L, is the gods are afraid, the little G gods. So, like, even right there, if you were to take it as Job, I think, is really saying it. Job's like this supernatural creature of great chaos raises up. It's not just mighty people who are afraid. It's like even the spiritual beings of the little G gods are like terrified by this thing. So again, more context. And not to keep talking, but one last disclaimer. (laughs) (laughs) 
because I keep there's mentioning. No, no, there's nothing wrong with that because here's the thing. Here's the thing. I am an environmental scientist and you are a pastor. So you study scripture and this is me being like, this is what I'm pulling from it, but it's useless if I don't have someone to talk it through with. Like it, like, that doesn't make what I say less wrong. It just makes it interesting to hear about because now, like, perspective is important. Like, now it gives us something additional to talk about and think about. It might not directly relate to environmental science as we know it, but it's important to understand this passage full stop. Like, I don't care that we are a little off topic. Like, it's important to understand scripture. So we need to talk about, like, what it means and what it says. And I appreciate that you're telling me. So go for well, it. Thank you. I think you can yeah. have great applications either way. Uh, yeah, for sure. The last disclaimer I'm giving, just because I've said things without explaining it so far, I believe that there is only one God, just to clarify, you know, <laughs> God <laughs> has made everything both spiritual and physical. Um, yeah. However, if you do pay attention to the biblical worldview painted all throughout Old Testament and New Testament, it actually says that God gives some supernatural beings power and authority to kind of rule over nations. Deuteronomy 32 talks about that. So right. these little G gods from a biblical perspective are not God. There's only one God. Anyways, I'm just saying the Bible says that the little G gods are not nothing like most people would say today. They are spiritual beings, but they are not God. There's only one God. Right. So when I when I keep referencing sons of God and stars and how they believe that these were gods, I'm just saying like these were other spiritual beings that the Hebrews were, believed that God had created that could just be angels or could be on any different kind of hierarchy as God distributes right. authority to them just as he gives authority to us on the earth. Okay. Disclaimer. Also, by Jamin's book, it's called Kaiju of Biblical Proportions. Jamin Bradley, it's on Amazon, I'm pretty sure. Yes, and I get there into all this there. Or just contact me and I'll give you a free audiobook code to listen to. <laughs> or buy his book. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody buys my book, Aaron. I just want them to buy your book. <laughs> <laughs> I'll even just read it to you. I made it so easy. <laughs> Contact me. I'll give you my address. Come on over. We can read it together. Anyway, back to uh, Job's imagery. I honestly, like, it's just this part puts me in awe because God is describing small, little bitty things that things that we wouldn't think about that he obviously cares great, like, deeply when he's talking about um, what mountain goats and other animals giving birth at the beginning of chapter 39 do you know when the mountain goats give birth do you watch when the doe bears her fawn do you count the months until they bear do you know the time that they give birth like to me this says that god sits and he thinks about it he's like i know when they're what time they do i know how many months i watch every single time it happens because i care and it's important to me and if it's important to god it's important to me and that's why we should be an environmental steward. And that's why we should care about environmental stewardship because it's our religion because God cares and we care. Mm. And I feel like Job tells us a lot of things about struggle 
and joy and stress, but also a lot of things about like what we should care about as human beings. And those are the things that God cares about. Yeah. I think that all goes back really well to Job 33, four too, because it's there uh, where Job says the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. So Mm-hmm. Of course, he's going to care about life and see all these spots where these things are being born and whatnot, because life is his business. Life is his creation, not just in the beginning, but every time life comes about. Job 33 is like, that's God. That's the Holy Spirit at work. Yeah. What you see right at the beginning of the Bible when the spirit hovers over the earth like a chicken hatching an egg and then... <laughs> And then when Jesus is raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit, like, it's just constantly saying, if it's life, it's the Holy Spirit. So, <laughs> of course, you would care. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, again, you can follow us on Twitter, those of us who are listening. If you have a Twitter, does everyone have Twitter? I'm not sure. Uh, I guess I take that for granted. Um, politics has run them away from it or not. No, that's very true. I uh, mostly just get Star Wars stuff and um, and Star Trek things on my Twitter. So uh, it's at Air Environment, which is exactly uh, how it sounds. <laughs> Thanks for listening to episode three of the Air Environment. Accidentally hijacked by me. No, it's good. Wait too many times. <laughs> no, I didn't it's know good. we were getting into Leviathan. It's not hijacking. Or it's a conversation. <laughs> I didn't know the topics you were fully going to. I would have warned you ahead of time.